I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And I'm Tony from The Uncommons. <gasps> <gasps> and welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. What? Yes, and we're back for our second summer short series. That's right, y'all, the long-awaited mm-hmm. sequel. Hey. <laughs> Everyone's like, were we waiting for it? Yes. Yes, you were. <laughs> so yeah, in case, even if you didn't know, you actually were waiting for it. Um, right. But yes, if you can't see right now, as you can, because it's a podcast, I'm like currently Millie rocking like in my room. I'm like, yes, I'm like the dead. second like, summer <laughs> short series. So for those of you who may be a little bit unfamiliar, the summer short series is um, essentially a chance for Aqua and I to kind of just like pivot and do something a little bit different over the summer, something a little bit more casual. Um, you know, we usually yes. will read full length novels, but over the summer, we typically like to read, you know, short stories, graphic novels, comic books, um, yeah. plays, one might even say. Um what? So yeah, so just like typically shorter, um, different forms of media and just like, like we still keep the same format. You know, we have our discussion sections, we have this, our summaries, mm-hmm. all of that, but we just tend to focus it on like shorter works. Um, so we can kind of like dip our toes into a bunch of different things. And this week we'll actually be talking about a comic series called The Uncommons, which is a web comic created by Weird Enough Productions. Um, and it's this up and coming, like super late comics company that was started by Tony Weaver Jr., who we will actually be talking to later in the episode. Woo! Look at that. So hey. short series. All these surprises. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, are, are we that surprised? Like, it's like, did y'all really gag us? Like, y'all really like, <laughs> right. like, it's like, y'all just throw us a curveball. It's like, you mean the same summer shorts that y'all always talked about? Like, you literally kept mentioning it? Okay, girl. Um, That's true. <laughs> okay, sis. But um, before we get into this amazing interview and even this discussion question, mm-hmm. I have a question. Amazing. What's your question? So this comic has people with superpowers, if anyone was wondering, but it does. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about it and I was like, everyone always gets like these super sexy superpowers, like super strength or they can fly or telekinesis, you know, and fun stuff. And even if it's like kind of an annoying superpower, like, oh, I can read minds. It's like super helpful. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, what would you say is the worst superpower? Like the one where you're like, man, I really just wish I was an average person. Like, <laughs> like someone's like, oh, um, like I can count every like blade of grass. And like, oh, can you count other things? And they're like, um, jelly beans at the carnival. And you're like, so you, you begin like stuffed animals and putting in your room. And you're like, like something that level of like. Oh my God. <laughs> <this is> <laughs> Oh my god, that is actually such a good question. So, real quick, is this something that I guess is something that I've seen in media, or just like the literal worst superpower that I can just think of, whether or not it's existed in like a previous form? Uh, I think anyone, any whether it existed, you saw it and you were like, nah, nah, that sucks, or you're like just thinking about it and you're like, wow, if if that superpower existed, it would be awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so just going off the dome, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of just terrible things where it's just like, oh, like, I have the superpower of being able to um, do my taxes really quickly. It's like, okay, um, that's amazing. Is there is there anything else? It's like, um, 
I can make sure you don't get audited. It's like, okay, so it's like, that's really not like we actually, no one cares. But I remember actually funny enough, which yikes, funny enough, like thinking about this. Um, so when I was younger before, you know, you know, I was still developing self-worth and things like that. Um, I used to watch Family Guy and I remember they actually had an episode about where like, I guess the, they weren't the Johnson family. That's blackish. What were they? The Griffin family. So everyone in the Griffin family, like they got like superpowers. And I remember like everyone was like super lit. Like it was like, oh, people could like levitate shit or like, you know, like just do all this like incredible shit. And Meg, who they always did dirty for like literally no reason, Honestly. like just like did so dirty. And it was like this weird joke that started in like season three where everyone was just like, oh, shut up, Meg. Like, uh, and like they were just like really shitty to her. And I'm like, I feel like Meg has, like, canonically done nothing to anyone. Like, I don't really Zero see why times. we... What is the need of this? But anyway, um, I remember her superpower, which I guess was demonstrative, <laughs> given how she was characterized. Like, she, <laughs> she, she just, like... <laughs> I guess it was kind of like um, Wolverine's, but, like, a way less sickening version. Like, she could, like, just grow her nails really long. Like, she's like, my nails are long. <laughs> and, like, just kind of, like, scratch people. And it was just sort of like, are they made of steel? And she's like, no, but, um... They're long and pointy, and it's like, is there anything else? And it's like, um, no, <laughs> no, and it's like, oh, interesting. Um, so I feel like that's probably like just like my immediate response would definitely be some shit like that. Um, but certainly if I <laughs> really marinate on this, I feel like I could think of some pretty terrible things as well. But um, what about you? What are some things that come to mind? I I feel like I have so the first one that people actually have a lot of the time is x-ray vision and i'm mm. like i feel like people it sounds like a cool superpower like oh i can see through walls i can see through buildings but i'm just wondering at what point in your life is that really useful you know what i mean like mm. it, like you're like okay i can see through this computer okay but you just because you can see through a computer like won't help you you know, I, I, maybe this is because we live in the modern era. Like, maybe when you could see through like a bank vault, it was like helpful. Right. Like, oh, I can see through like this building into the other building, and like I can see through your bones. Well, right. Are you a doctor? Like, is that necessary? Like, what are we trying to? Like, what the like what utility is that actually bringing to the yeah. table um, at the moment? Sorry. Yeah, so that people would really just be throwing it into like the 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 canonical like you know rotation of superhero powers, and if you mm -hmm. really were on the team, I mean, people make fun of Aquaman, but at least he can talk to fish. Like, if right. you were X Ray Man, what what what? They need you like three times a year. You know, what I mean, like, you're on you're on the team, but you're on the bench. Like, let's be real. Right. <laughs> like you're actually like a dental hygienist, and you just like do the X rays of people's teeth, and it's like, oh, we don't need a machine. We have um X Ray person. It's like uh, it's like okay for your right. biannual checkup like like i don't right <laughs> what exactly like, unless you're getting cut a check or like you're like i don't know it just seems like okay girl like this is i, I feel like it we could have gotten much. something a bit more exciting <laughs> and then people are also going to be creeped out by you when you you can't tell them you're super right oh, vision. it's like oh uh, okay <laughs> right like, well that's you over that's interesting because I actually kind of think of it. I feel like two other powers are sort of like that. The first one that comes to mind is um, like when people are like, oh, like I can read minds. Like I feel like if you tell someone you can read their mind, like right. motherfuckers ain't really gonna fuck with you anymore. Like, nope. like, like I feel like that's it, it can be useful, but I think that like it's like you kind of have to just keep that like real low key. But even like yeah. when I think about it, like I feel like invisibility is like something that's always touted as like, oh shit, mm. like that's so lit. But it's like. If you're not in a situation that would really necessitate you being invisible, it's like, you, you, I don't know, like you could like wake up in your room and be like, invisibility! And like become invisible. And it's like, okay, so you're invisible. 
in your room. But I, okay, invisibility. <laughs> I you could do a lot with that. Like you could, you know, like sneak into places. You mm-hmm. could like, you know, if you got to defeat some type of villain, you like get behind. Because the thing is, if you're invisible, you you've got the element of surprise on your side. That is true. Time, you know. So if you're yeah. underpowered, it's it's okay. Whereas um, <laughs> the one about the mind reading, I think you, I think the social cost of that, I agree, it's too high. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's like way too much. <laughs> you know, people are like, don't invite Jane to the party; she'll know what you're thinking. Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, that's real. But a certain profession that could also definitely help you a lot. Like oh, like a psychiatrist uh, or something. Oh, down. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. That one. And I guess though, people have weird thoughts, though, man. Yeah, I feel like you would really see some shit that you're really just not right. Like, I think it would only work if you could turn it off. Like if I could just opt to not, then cool. But if I would just, just involuntarily always heard other people's thoughts, oh, that boy. sounds like honestly a nightmare. I feel like that should be like a, like a horror story. Cause I feel like you would just like, cause you know, like, I feel like as like people think some shit where it's like, okay, like I'm not really putting stock into that thought, but that was a thought that happened. It's like, right. Oh girl, someone saw that. Like, I mean, even I, I'm the right. bitch who made the thought erased it as quick. I was like, Oh, Oh, right, so right. let me throw this away. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, no someone else. Oh, and it's very Ooh. like um, I can see like meaning. Well, the, so the show True Blood does have someone who can read minds, and I guess Edward Cullen from Twilight can read minds. But mm-hmm. um, what was I gonna say? Like, think about that as a as a villain. You know, we usually have the mind reader ah. as a good person, but like exactly what you're saying. Like, we have thoughts that we immediately delete. You're like, well, that's mm-hmm. a thought, but. It's but to have someone who's able to like read your mind at the most vulnerable time and use it against you—that's a level of invasiveness. That's just so. Ooh, Ooh. yeah. And then even just ethically, like, how do you? Because even if you like were trying to use it for good, it's like that's just so like. Right. No one's consenting to this. So, like, how does that work exactly? And just because like, someone thinks something, I think there's a, what is it, like, minority report where they're, like, tracking people before they do things based on, like, their thoughts or something like that? Yes. Like, just because someone has a thought doesn't mean they're going to do it. Like, yeah, can exactly. you really justify, like, ooh. Oof. Ooh. Yeah, so, fuck. You know yeah, what that, is oof. another, you know what's another power that sucks? Just to, like, uh-huh <laughs> you know there's like lots of animal powers like there's like spider-man uh-huh. and like i mean batman doesn't have any animal powers but ant-man what mm-hmm. if you're like snail man like <laughs> you're like i have the power to move slowly and put slime on things <laughs> or like Escargo. sloth man <laughs> <laughs> right. it's like i right. sleep 22 hours a day it's like what okay and what happens when you wake up it's like you know, I'm a little groggy. I just, like, get some tea. It's like, okay, girl. Like, this is... I mean, at least with Snail Man, like, you might have a shell. But even then, it's like... Oh. The way that you... Like, it's like, if you're, like, in battle, I feel like that'd be more inconvenient than not. Because it's not like... Honestly. We, we, we travel horizontally. Like, we are like bipedal so it's like that i feel like it'd just be like like a large book bag we're like bro can i take the shit off it's like um you're snowman so you can't you actually sorry sis but you, you actually cannot actually and it's like but it's actually really heavy and it's like it's, actually, it's like fucking up my balance and shit like how am i supposed to fight it's providing evil? nothing right <laughs> it's because it's not like a backpack there's nothing in it it's just your house you know exactly what I mean? <laughs> 
Like, how do you clean it if it's like attached to you? Oh, my, there's just like so many logistical questions. Do you leave it's slime? So oh my god! Right. Oh Can you god! Being slimy. This is awful. <laughs> the one thing I could think about that might be helpful in that situation is sure. like you know how like there's always like I feel like I used to always see this in like Pokemon and shit, but I'm sure like other like animations like had this trope. But like when I don't know like some some like. Like the villain's about to attack someone, like they use like some kind of projectile towards like this far away person that's like on your team, and then like the hero like runs and like jumps to protect them, but like their back oh. is to whatever is like coming. I feel yes, like in that one yeah. specific situation, <laughs> snail man would be sickening. But even that's then, bitch, you're so slow, girl. You would have to like the psychic <laughs> bitch would have to tell you, oh, in like thirty minutes, that's about to happen, so you oh can start God. slowly making your ass over, and then have your like cute moment, and like you better hope that your angle is right because if it still hits the person then it's like okay what the fuck was the point of any of this i'm dead anyway (laughs) um slowly but it's not in slow-mo he's just moving slowly exactly like like, (laughs) (laughs) everyone can like plan accordingly it's like okay so i can clearly see you're like oh my god snail oh wow damn i mean if snail man's like on payroll it's like i mean i guess you're like still getting the check but it's kind of like i mean sis at what cost like you were just like the least excited motherfucker like this contract has to be over soon because how did we get here (laughs) my god (laughs) you see that's what it is you you want to be in like the justice league or the avengers but you like want to be not great so that they don't call you for the serious (laughs) stuff but just good enough that they still pay you and you get the purse right like Like, <laughs> like you still get the benefits of like being in the Justice League, but you're like not like that essential. Like it's like right. you're kind of just benched the whole time. Like you might have like a I don't know like a brief subplot where like you I don't know like know a thing and tell someone who's far more useful than you about that right. thing. And I don't know. But then if you're that slow, like how good is your investigation skills? I feel like that's all very not fast good. pace. It's just I. <sighs> I feel like maybe someone has a phobia of snails. Like you could really at that point be very useful, perhaps. Right. I feel like you would just have to be like balanced out like it's like you would have to be like super powerful it's like okay it's like i might be slower than a motherfucker and have this giant ass thing on my back but <laughs> when i get to you girl it's curtains it's like over. it's like yeah. Yeah, like, we, like we have to buff this because girl what the fuck this is just but this then is at just... that point it's another superpower you know what i mean like if you have super well, oh yeah fair, maybe snails do have because like you know spider-man has like a lot of spider powers so maybe mm. like a snail are snails super strong i'm not sure do Sorry, Sorry. Keep going. I was just thinking that your your kryptonite, right, so to speak, is salt, and everyone has salt. Yeah, literally everyone. So it's like I will stop you, villain, who can like lift things with his mind and has X-ray vision, <laughs> which is really like a sub power, whatever. But, right. Like, then he's like, <laughs> oh, and he just like takes out like you know some like. I don't know, like, what's that? The lady with the umbrella, the like little girl with the umbrella, like that salt shaker, just like yeah. Something <laughs> <on you. laughs> so oh my god! Like she's actually like god tier level of strength. Like it's just like holy shit! Like please avoid like the Morton's like salt girl because she will actually yeah. kill you. She will <laughs> kill you. Um, but even then, it's like if you if everyone has salt, like it's like what if you sweat ass snail man? Like do you That's like is, how does that? Like, do you just have to have, like, such a level of inactivity that you can't even sweat because, girl, you would fuck your own shit up? That's what's up. Your food's oh, bland. Oh, God. Someone's like, oh, you know, I put a little salt on the meat. And you're like, no! <laughs> it's like, okay, girl. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, it's like, what about natural salts that just exist in the world? Oh, my God. So, oh, wow. The more I think about this, like, truly, I just don't eat... I, the one buff I could think of is, like, aren't some snails, like, poisonous? Like, they're slime. That's is, true. Like, 
That's true. Or like it makes people, it can like immobilize, pray. I feel yeah. like you'd have to like do something with the slime to yeah. like make up for just all these truly just, just god awful characteristics. But you're right. A lot of snails are poisonous, like high key. So. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So like maybe when you reach the person, when you touch them. Um, if right. You reach them. Exactly. You would. Ha- I feel like Snail Man would have to like team up with someone who is invisible, and so like it's like ah. you can't see them coming. But so it's like mad slow, but like they do get there eventually. I mean, hopefully right. the villain just doesn't move a lot. Um, or you get them and in boom. Sleep, you know. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. I think Snail Man with a little invisibility, like he 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 goes from a, a C rank superhero to like a B rank. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like like a smooth like B tier at least. Like right. I'm like He's okay, Superman, you're like but... at least mediocre. Like you could right. be cute. Right. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, I feel like now that we talked about this, I'm like, I feel like we need to make Snailman like a thing. Like, we just a need comic. to like write out this comic because, oh yeah. I'm like, what would like the personality be like? There's just so many questions. There's but... so many questions. But if the listeners also have candidates for the worst superhero ever, we'd love to hear it. Please, yeah, yeah. please let us know because we are certainly curious. But yes, so speaking of superheroes, we are going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about The Uncommons by Weird Enough Productions. Woo! So we're back. Um, so it's me, Akko, and Snailman. We are all on the mic. Um, and, you know, Snailma- Snailman's on mute, but don't worry about that. So like we said, we're reading. So this week we read a comic called The Uncommons, which is essentially sort of like a like a modern superhero comic. It's super interesting. So real quick. So since like the um, plot summary is going to be fairly shorter, like we're just going to kind of do the plot summary and the discussion in the same block before we get to actually talking to, to Tony. And so to kind of build the world a little bit of what happens in the Uncommons, um, I guess there are like two things that everyone should know about. So one, there's a city that all of pretty much all the events take place in uh, called Delta City, which is like this futuristic, unclear specifically what year it is, but like mm. it's like this futuristic city that like is like, you know, just like popping and like super lit and like whatever. And in Delta University, there's like this like it's like the, kind of like this online cloud-based game virtual reality thing called the Overworld. It's like a, a Fortnite or like a yeah. the other one people used to play World World of Warcraft. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Pretty much just like that. So you have an avatar, whatever, whatever, you can keep with people like online and like fight and battles and like things of that nature. So Delta City is very much like Hella pop and very much technology based, whatever. So it starts off with um, our main character protagonist by the name of Iris, who is a West African woman who just moved to Delta City because. So, Iris, just some quick background on her. She has like the ability to, like, I guess you could say her superpower is like um, she can tell the future, she can see like energy, she can make like calculations, like really yeah. advanced calculations, like on the fly. Like, she just like her perception of like what's going on around her is just like very A1 keen as fuck and so iris at one point earlier had a like just had these visions of the world ending like she just kept seeing visions of like Mm. delta city in destruction and like this word resurgence popping up and so she's like okay i don't live in delta city but i feel like i should go to delta city because i'm like seeing these visions i'm like girl i feel like i should do like a thing so (laughs) iris rolls in 
And so in Delta City, there's actually a superhero by the name of Influencer. But his like his street name, like his government is Kenny. So Kenny is like he <laughs> so basically he's like a half superhero, half motivational speaker. He's like really popping on social media, like especially in Delta City, like people just really look forward to like the messages they guys to say. And like he's he's very much about like self-love, bravery, mm. just like, you know, not letting your fear stop you from being the best version of yourself. Just very like a very motivational, very self-love driven person. And so Iris is like, boom, I'm going to meet Influencer. We're going to like be in cahoots and then we're going to like stop the destruction of Delta City. So conveniently, Influencer is having like a meet and greet. So Iris is like, let me roll up. So she like rolls up. She's like, hey, girl, the world's ending. And Kenny was like, huh? She was like, the world's ending. And he was like, oh, my God, like what? And she was like, I'm going to give you some time to process, but I will follow up with you because I feel like we need to discuss this. So this like, so the meeting greet leaves, uh, it ends, sorry. And, um, Kenny leaves and like Iris finds him later. And it's like, Hey, so ready to talk about the whole world ending thing. And then Kenny was like, I mean, girl, like I, Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so like, so he invites her to his like hell a nice apartment, like dumb nice. Like this bitch lives on like nice. the top floor of some like high rise. Like it's actually sick, dude. Yeah. And so you know they're chatting, and like Iris is like, look, so you have a huge platform, and I don't know exactly what these visions are, but I just see the world ending, and like this word resurgence keeps coming up. I don't really know what it is. I feel like you should like do a thing and like tell people. And influencers was like, you know, I would, but that's just like, it's like a little off brand, you know. And Iris is like, what? And she was, he was like, yeah, it's just like, it's just like off brand. And she was like, um, I feel like that doesn't matter, but <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so basically, while they're having this whole, um, I guess back and forth about like marketing and like whether it's on or off brand, like so conveniently as fuck, um, they like in the plaza of Delta City, this like red figure shows up that like is low-key like hella androgynous and like kind of is giving me like some ooh like just like looks like i'm like kind of into it basically this figure arrives called the seer and so we don't really know anything about the seer um it's just this like he's just like a figure and he kind of is going on this bit about how delta city has fallen prey to technology like they're just like you know they're they rely on technology for so much and Mm -hmm. like it's it's made everyone like mediocre and sensitive and like terrible but like he's gonna change things and like make it so that people like i guess reconnect with who they actually are and not be so reliant on this and he also is like oh also like I, I need y'all to run up with influencer in 24 hours. Like I'm a com- <laughs> like I'm a leave, and in 24 hours, influencer had better be in this motherfucking plaza because I got some words to say to her. And so influencer was clearly not trying to get that smoke, so he was like, "Ooh, yikes!" Yeah. So he kind of goes into <laughs> hiding, and Iris is like, "You know, you can't just go into hiding, right? You know how like 24 hours, like that's like just gonna pass. Like it's like you can't just." Quickly. Yeah. Like, like time is just going to continue. You know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> just like avoid the passage of 24 hours. And so, of course, 20, so the way the earth is set up and, you know, that rotation, um, yes. it, you know, became 24 hours later. And the seer rolls up and it's like, hey, boom. So where's influencer? Like, was like, what's T? And everyone's like, girl, we don't know. Like, we've been like on her social media. Like, we don't know what's happening. Like, fuck. And then like, Iris is like, okay, like I need to like do a thing. So Iris like rolls up to the scene and the seer is basically like fucking shit up. So his so the thing about the seer is that while he talks about technology having a negative influence, like most of his powers come from technology. Like he can mm. like manipulate like robots and other sort of like sentient technological beings in yeah. Delta City. And, and so basically the, the I, overworld too. Yes. 
and in the overworld. So he has yes. like this huge reach, even though he like it's it's kind of this interesting bit of irony. But anyway, so basically, like all of the robots that are in the plaza like come alive and they're like basically trying to like attack people. So Iris is like fuck, and so like she's trying to evacuate people. Like she's fighting the robots. Like Iris is literally like kind of single handedly like kind of. Mm-hmm bodying this whole situation like she's like she's like girl i just have to do something <laughs> shit like this is this is crazy so iris is doing all of this and meanwhile we see the, so separately um there's this guy named julio his like superhero name is echo and he has the ability to like i guess like his hearing is like really keen so he can like hear right. like the not it, i'm not sure if it's just thoughts or if it's like words and thoughts but I think um, it's like words that you just didn't say very loudly though. Yes. So he has like super like just super hearing abilities. And so like whenever you say anything, like it always gets back to Echo. Like Echo is like like if Echo should just be a talk show host because honestly, like the gossip <laughs> in the tea. <laughs> but anyway, so basically And I think he can also mimic you too. Like yes. how you talk. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so Echo, we don't we haven't really been introduced, or I guess like the, our protagonists haven't really been introduced to Echo yet. But basically Echo's trying to do research on the whole seer situation is like yeah this is mad weird like what's going on and basically deduces that like okay like i feel like the source of all of this is happening near delta university which is like this prestigious you know university in delta city so he goes to delta city finds this like child literally a child named elias who is like kind of the one leading all of this you know basically kind of like spearheading all of this destruction basically like the seer is kind of like it to some some degree being controlled by this kid whose name is elias so essentially Elias and Echo are kind of having this like back and forth like superhero battle thing but then like so these two things like Iris in the plaza and Elias versus Julio like this is all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So going back to Iris in the plaza so she's like finding these robots like blah 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 influencer rolls up because he's like girl I cannot I have to do something I cannot like, just let this shit happen and so the two of them are like taking down these robots it's like this whole thing they're like evacuating people um the series like actually trying to kill people like it's actually I'm really like wild like shit's falling out of the sky like it's actually mad dangerous but you know whatever and so basically like so they're like tr- saving the day and at one point this train which is I guess so they had the train like the trains were like connected to these cables that were overhead and so like the tr- this one train was like it's like a tram tr- yeah it like, was it was like San traveling and like I guess the cables snapped or something but the train was falling out of the sky and influencer and Iris are like oh girl how do we oh shit and then luckily this other superhero named Chikara rolls up and she has the ability to like fly and like i guess she also has like does she like freeze things too did i make that up i feel like she levitates stuff right yeah herself and other people and things yeah so kind of like giving you raven from like teen titans like kind of like that sort of energy so like chikara like is able to roll up stop the train save everybody um they're like trying to figure this whole situation out but luckily around the same time so julio was fighting elias and at one point was able to basically stop whatever like device elias was using to control the seer and so the battle ends and so the seer like starts to disappear but he's like i'm gonna be back hella soon don't get comfortable you got me fucked up and so he leaves Mm. and everyone's like fuck like that was wild and so at this point chikara influencer and iris were like yo that was crazy so they went back to like influencers like hella nice apartment and they're like okay we got to figure out next steps 
And then Chikara, like, she, like, kind of fainted after all of this because she had, like, just used a lot of energy. But when she woke up, she was talking about how, like, Iris was saying how, like, you know, obviously they exchanged pleasantries and introductions. But Iris was like, you know, um, basically, like, I kind of came here because I had these visions of, like, the world ending. And, you know, it's like, it's, like, I just foresee things getting really bad. And Chikara's like, what are you talking about? Like, things are already ending. The world's already being destroyed. Like, you people in Delta City are just so attuned to what's going on in your own place. Like, you don't really look to see what's going on outside. And so we kind of learned a little bit about Chikara's backstory where like she was with her dad at one point. I guess she lives, it, it's not unclear where she's from specifically, but basically like where she lives and presumably in pretty much everywhere else in the world, or at least in this like country, towns are getting invaded. People are dying. Like Chikara's dad was taken and like, she just like ran and she's just been like kind of on the run ever since. And like, that's how she made her way to Delta city. And so Iris is like, Oh shit. I didn't even know that it was like that real, but, but I, yeah. I, I, that got me because I was like, isn't Iris also not from Delta City? But she must be from a different place, not affected by yeah affecting Chikara. But continue, sorry. But yeah, so that was pretty much that. So they're talking, they're talking about all of this, and um, Echo conveniently had, I guess, just heard the tea from like a long ass distance and he was like because he echo was trying to figure out like what exactly is going on what's happening so like he heard this conversation he's like oh let me just let me just pull up so he like <laughs> pulls up and iris or somebody was like wait someone's here and this, so they like run out into the hallway see echo grab his ass and he's like look i wasn't trying to do anything weird it's just you know like i'm also trying to fight the seer and i feel like y'all have tea and they're like we kind of have tea do you have tea and he was like i mean yes and they're like okay we so let's just get tea. make a full mug real quick and so they go to this like diner huh sorry Sorry. i was like it's a tea party like right (laughs) it's like it's actually a tea party um (laughs) so the four of them link up they go to this diner and basically they make a plan where i guess like they were able to do to deduce that the seer is like not like a physical being but is like Mm -hmm. kind of sort of like halfway between this world and like a technological one so like yeah sort of a projection but can can like manipulate light and things like that to influence things going on in real time so like very much not someone to be fucked with and can also like she can walk both categories both in this <laughs> real time world and also in the virtual one like in the old world so they're like okay we need to figure out when they're going to strike again because like the seer was talking about like how he's going to come back like what's going to happen and so there was this brawl thing that was happening so in the overall like people will team up and like fight each other and like these like tournaments and so there was a tournament actually happening near delta university and there's stadium and so they were like okay there's a place that the sea would roll up this is going to have hella people it's going to be technology influence he hates technology i feel like we should just pull up and they were like correct and so their plan was to kind of go around the university and find essentially elias and like also try to figure out how to put a stop to this but also try to distract the seer while they're doing it so that's pretty much what happened but the issue was that in the technology so when they were actually at the stadium and this in the seer like rolled up the seer was able to do i didn't really understand the science behind this but the seer was able to like manipulate themselves and like make copies of himself and so there's like eight seers and they're like oh influencer girl you need to be the one that fights the seer because he's really mainly checking for you because like he sees you as like, as, like this empty symbol and you need to like do a thing there's also like a stadium so i feel like just theatrically this kind of makes right. a lot and like while the influencer is going to be doing that the rest of them trying to stop everything from ha- like basically he's a distraction right so iris and chikara chikara at, at one point had left but she came back so it was cool so they're like looking for like you know elias they find him eventually and elias is talking about like how he met the seer and basically his kind had kind of been manipulated into helping him like elias is really smart like he's like extremely bright he's like 
very young also. And so he, and he actually went to Delta University at the age of like 12 or some shit. And so basically Elias is like, yeah, I like, feel like they kind of manipulated my like genius. And like we kind of like at first they were just trying to make a statement. But then the seer became like evil because at first he was like, oh, technology is terrible. And then he became like, but I'm going to take over the world. So it's cool. And they were like, oh, don't do that don't 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 do that like, we like what like it's like you just like you that pivot was just real just real extreme like i don't know i don't know what you got here but so elias is like yeah we need to just like figure out this whole situation and basically elias told them like, like yeah so essentially the way this works is that there's a so there are like pretty much these switches that exist in the overworld which reminder is just like that virtual world that people like will play in and stuff um and like those are kind of the sources of the seer's power in this world. And so basically what they need to do is both distract the seer in real time, but also like turn off the switches in the virtual world. And also there are like real so okay, it's a little confusing, but basically there are like there are switches in the overworld, but there are also the same corresponding switches in the real world. And so essentially what yeah. needs to happen is that one person needs to be in the overworld and one person needs to be in the real world, and they both need to like press whatever switch at the same time, and they have to do that for four different they call them satellites for like for four different satellites and four different parts of of the university and so Elias decides to go into the overall because he knows it like the back of his hand and Echo decides to like put him in the real life to like you know turn off the switches and then Iris Chikara and Influencer decide they're gonna like fight the seer in the meantime and so they're doing that basically Echo and Elias are able to turn off one of the satellites but in like Elias was like bitch that was dumb easy like so easy so he's like going to the second one and then this like giant like spaghetti monster like dark cloud thing <gasps> shows up dun, dun, and he's dun. like fuck and then they're like oh my god uh, and that's kind of where it ends basically um iris chikara and influencer are basically just going toe to toe with the seer and they're like holding their own like they're like being yeah. cute like it's like cute and that's kind of where we left off because right now there's only tw- at the time of this recording there's only 12 um issues and so we read through issue 12 and so we'll see what happens next but yeah so let's jump into our discussion Aka, would you like to start yeah i First of all, I think web comics are kind of this really cool medium that are really taking off. And I think they're fun because a lot of different artists and creatives get to kind of put a story out there. And The Uncommons is free. Anyone can read it. Like, it's mm-hmm. really dope um, and fun. I think I really like this comic. I think, one, the characters are fun and interesting. There's, like, Iris is West African. Kenny's Black. Like, Julio, I think he's Latinx. Um, mm-hmm. Chikara, I'm not sure. I feel like she's Asian American, maybe Asian. I think Delta, she is too. Yeah, a Delta, whatever this planet is. But um, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah. And it's it's not just that they're diverse, but they also like they have personalities. Okay, well, yeah, they have personalities, <laughs> and they like they interact with each other. They have disagreements. They have kind of like each one of the relationships with each other is different. Like I really like Iris and Kenny hanging out. Cause like Iris will get really excited and Kenny will be like, mm-hmm. oh, please, please don't. Oh, oh God. Like Kenny is like very like straight laced. Um, right. So she'll be like, this is influencer. And he's like, it's a, it's a secret identity. Like you're not supposed to just tell people. My secret identity. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and I, there's like this sub subplot or this side character, like Kenny's like marketing guy. <laughs> like, yes. Who will, like, Reggie. Who will just like jump in on the phone and like, and even just like that concept was so funny to me. Cause he'll be like, Ooh, Kenny, I, I don't know if that works for the brand, but then he'll right. also, like <laughs> jump into the fray and you're just like, who are you? Um, <sighs> so I really, I liked it. It's fun. It's like a fun comic. I, I'm, I, I like it a lot. It's, it's really, what about you? Yeah. 
No, I feel I feel the same way. Honestly, I really I loved reading it because one, okay, the animation is just like true. Like the drawing is yeah, like it's impeccable. Like holy yeah. god, like it's just so high quality. Colorful like the images are just so beautiful and like i i don't know i i'm definitely like you know both of us are like anime fans and stuff and so there are a lot of like transformation sequences where like iris will like kind of go into her superhero power and like influencer will go into his and like just like the transformation sequences like i just like i just it like sends me every time like i like honestly love it <laughs> but I, I i definitely echo a lot of the sentiments that you're saying like it's a really diverse group of people and it's just like in in like every scheme of the world like i feel like even for example when they're talking about like when you just see visuals of delta city and the kind of people that live there like you just see people of like all different identities and like different groups of people being together and like i remember for example at one point like you know at the very beginning um iris is talking about like oh you know in delta city you can find anything you can find friends you can find success you can find love and like when she said love there was a panel of like presumably like two guys like together like in a romantic sense and it was just like a totally normalized just a completely you know it's just like that kind of place where it's just like it's just there's so much intention behind like visibility i feel like so many different groups are like just very visible in delta city and it's like this interesting really lit hub that's like bay but also like you know obviously there's like shit going down and it's like there's like actual shit we need to like (laughs) figure out but it's like i love that it's just like everyone has it's complicated but it's also really diverse and like really reflective of society in a way that like Mm -hmm. it's really embracing but also too it's like people actually have like like you said like just personalities like iris is just like kind of silly and just like and even just like the details like like iris will go into this whole thing where like her eyes will like become like stars and like it literally is like she's like an anime character i remember there's literally one point where she was like she was first talking to influencer and she was holding one of his like uh his like action figures and she was like making all these poses and like he's like oh like are you like can you like are you like super strong? Like, what do you do? Like, she was just like trying to ask more about him. And like, as she was making these exaggerated expressions, like this action figure was doing the same thing, even though it was, it was just like, it was literally a toy. It's just like, it's like the level of detail is just so silly and it just adds to so much or even like, okay. So in the overworld, we didn't really talk about this, but there's like there. So the mascot of the overworld, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's spelled J O O B E I. I think Jubei. Is that how you would pronounce it? Maybe. I thought Elias's name was Elias, so you can't trust me. <laughs> so basically, there's like this like half marshmallow, half like cat robot yeah. thing that's like the mascot of the overworld. Um, it's mad cute, like dumb cute. But like even like like you said earlier, like Reggie is all about like the brand. So like Reggie and like Kenny, who are, who's influencer, uh, they have like this beef against Jubei's character. Like they're just like, oh, we just like <laughs> fucking Jubei. Like goddamn, like they just like they really don't see it for Jubei. But Jubei's literally just like so sweet. It, like does like it's just like things like that that it's just like y'all yeah. are just so silly. But also it's like it does bring up a lot of interesting things. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just such a colorful world in every sense. I agree. And I also like, so the characters, first of all, it's like a cool concept to have both a real life villain and a virtual villain, just because Mm. we're so, like, I'm about to sound like a a baby boomer, like an old person. We are so in the virtual world. (laughs) But like, yeah, like really like our lives take place. I mean, you're listening to a podcast right now. Like this is, you know, right. And we're not, me and Marcy aren't even in the same room, but like, um, (laughs) We all just like it's so to have that kind of I, I feel like there's like this 
There's also this movie called Summer Wars, which goes into this. But the better movie, in my opinion, is the first first Digimon movie, which really touches on this in the early 2000s. Everyone's like, are you going to like put on your professor voice to talk about Digimon, the animated movie? I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but anyway, just having those two worlds mix and kind of uh, how that influences the virtual influences the physical world and vice versa, I think is um, very 21st century. And it's like, that's kind of what's happening. It's nice to see something, I don't know, use it as like a trope or as the background of a story. I also like that on that same like cerebral level is characters also struggle with a lot of fear and emotions, which is true for most superhero. I'm not even gonna try to pretend like this this comic made that up, but it's just like, they'll be afraid and they're like, I don't know what to do. And then they'll like almost have to like fight that as if it's a whole nother villain in their mind before they go fight seer or whatever thing they're fighting. And I like that. Mm. I thought that was cool just to see, just because when you see the, the virtual world and then your like mental world and the real world, it's almost like there's like three worlds combining. And then it kind of like you think, dang, yeah, people have to deal with a lot every day. <laughs> um, yeah. And just watching how like the virtual world then influences, you know, your mental thoughts, you know, it's like all connected. So I don't know. I, I don't think this, this comic like made that up or anything. Thing, but it's cool to see that in the story and I, I think it's done really well no that's real and i like that even i like even the way that it was like animated like iris for example like it, you definitely see this in the battle where say. they're like fighting the seer in the stadium it's like it's it's like she struggles with a lot of self-doubt just based on like her relationship with her mom and like there's a lot of you know like her mom would compare her a lot to her siblings and like just mm. a lot of things that she sort of internalized from that relationship but the way it's communicated and animated it's like it's like literal ghosts like whenever like those like inner saboteur like self-doubt thoughts appear in her mind like it's like they're like these like phantoms that like haunt her and it's like that really is it, it, I, I just feel like that's such a beautiful illustration of that phenomenon and also it's a good demonstration of how like this isn't necessarily what she wants to think about herself but these are just sort of like handed down thoughts Thoughts. given to her and there's actually a moment where like she felt like she had like failed everyone and like it was like like, just something that happened in the battle and like julio just had to talk to her and be like you know like you are the one who like brought us all together like you've done so Mm. much you know at the end of the day we're in this together like you don't have to be like 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 we're all in this together like we just need to like like and what we need right now is you and like um, Iris had this moment where she was like, yeah, like, you know, I don't need to be smarter or stronger or like better than anyone else. Like the only thing I need to be is myself. And even just the way that that sequence was like animated, it was just so like, it literally like, it, like my eyes kind of welled up a little bit. Like I was like, this is just such Aww. a beautiful, like coming of self, just like both between the, uh, like the art style, but also just like what this represents. Like all of this comic is all about just like loving yourself and recognizing yourself and appreciating yourself and how that journey can look so many different ways and like it can be tumultuous mm. um it can be easier for some of us and so i don't know and it's every just character like character has something to overcome too like yes exactly has to fight his like because i at first i was like does influencer not have a superpower he just is an influencer but he has two powers like he has the influence he has on people going back to this thing i was saying about the mental and he has like a physical superpower um mm. So he also has to like overcome that because he because once the, the with the brand thing, he was like, I don't know. It's like is, is confronting the seeker like part of my brand. You know what I mean? Like there and he has to kind mm. of kind of um, overcome, I guess, this idea of of, um, of appearing as a hero. You know what I mean? And 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 when it when push comes to shove, having to do the heroic thing. Right. So. So, yeah, there's just like a lot of different and really cool characters and i'm excited to see where this story goes but yeah why don't we take a quick break and when we come back we can talk to the author himself 
Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll see y'all in a bit. back woo yes yeah <laughs> hey <laughs> so as you can hear we're actually joined by tony weaver jr to talk in more detail about the uncommons and all of the things tony thank you so much for joining us really excited to be here yes yes we're so excited to have you here this is great we're very excited we had all the thoughts um but i guess before we go into our like interview sort of spiel um i'm gonna just pivot it to akko not still her thunder because what she <laughs> does best <laughs> yes so the uncommons has a lot of humor a lot of close-ups and we kind of me and marcy peep some anime influence so of course we had to ask tony what is your favorite anime series you you peeped correctly okay. all the anime influence all of it all the <laughs> All the influence for for context. When I talk about the uncommons, what I say is that it's a story about a group of unlikely outsiders that have to save each other to save the world. Um, and if you if you think about those cheesy movie posters from the early two thousands that had those really short slogans on them, I think if mm. we had one of those, our slogan would be like "Save each other to save the world." And <laughs> I, yes. be, because I like the the like obviously our main character has this vision of this oncoming calamity that she has to solve. But mm-hmm. as the story progresses, what we find is that the only way for her and the team to fix this problem is for them to kind of resolve the issues that they have in their past and how mm-hmm. and and how the how the feelings that they have are directly impacted by things in their past that they're running from. And uh, when, when it comes to feelings and resolving the past, uh, my my favorite anime uh, is Eureka 7. Um, oh my God. Sorry, no one cites Eureka 7. I'll, I'll calm down. Continue. It's, it's amazing. It's such it's a great amazing. show. It's, Sorry. it's such a great show and it has all the feelings. It's just yes. feelings, 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 feelings. I literally, um, okay, I have, I, I have... <laughs> I have built life philosophies over Renton and Holland yes. and their dynamic. Yes. Like Tony, exactly, <laughs> I'm right. it's, it's, it's so well written. It's great. Yeah. It's the first series. It's the first anime series that I owned completely on DVD. And I remember being so blown away. Yeah. And the nuance of the characters, I mean, and what they're struggling with. And I, I just feel like there's such a becoming, I, the, um, the music, the, the way they have to deal with this sort of post-war fallout world. Tony, no one, I'm so hyped. Marcy's like, Akko got hyped. I don't even, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like two weeks ago, actually, I was talking to Marcy about Eureka 7 and my philosophy. I feel like this, <laughs> this sounds familiar. I'm like this somewhere yeah. in my brain. I'm like, we've heard this before. Um, <laughs> Oh my god. Eureka 7 starts and Renton is like, you know, I don't feel like I've really accomplished anything. I'm 14 years old. Should I have done something by now? But at least one thing that makes me happy. Oh, never mind. I don't have that thing anymore. Great. Wonderful. (laughs) Like, it's the, the transition of seeing Renton go from really bratty, and in the dub they really dialed up the bratty yeah, um, it was, it, it, <laughs> to like 
I know how to acknowledge responsibility and the entire world is on my shoulders. And he does it in a way that is not, okay, I'm so manly that I don't feel scared anymore. It's like, no, I'm still scared. I'm still pretty scared. But Mm -hmm. I recognize that what I'm doing is something that, that has a purpose that I can't run away from. I think all of the, I think Holland and Tahoe's relationship was done so well in the way that it evolved. Where at the beginning, Holland feels really lazy. Like he he seems like he's really laid back and he doesn't want to do anything. And Tahoe's constantly like nagging him, nagging him, nagging him. Mm-hmm. And as we proceed through the show, what we recognize is that Tahoe is not nagging Holland. She's so close to him that she recognizes what he's been running from and what he needs to resolve that he refuses to. And she loves him so much that she won't let him run away from his purpose. She won't let him be anything less than what he's supposed to be. And I feel like those are the type of people that we need in our life in general. So when when writing The Uncommons and trying to figure out these character relationships, I think what I what I thought about was amongst the was amongst the five of them. Mm-hmm. What what does it look like to have a group of friends that intensely care for each other to the mm-hmm. point I'm not going to let you be anything less than the best thing that I know you can be. Like in, mm. in issue uh, three, after the seer shows up, uh, influence is like, eh, sure, he said my name, but there, there's not really, I don't really have to do anything about right. that. I mean, there, <laughs> right. I, there are ways around that. And Iris cuts him off and is like, go ahead and stop right there because I know that you don't even believe whatever you're about to say. Right. Like I'm, mm. I'm not even into the nonsense. I, I really like relationships. I like relationships between people, whether they're romantic or platonic. And I think that that's what gives life. So it gives life flavor. That's what makes it fun. The people Ooh. that you meet along the way. And I, I like exploring how those relationships are built and what happens when you poke at them a little bit. Mm. Mm. I I do now see like the thir- the through line between America Seven and this comic because there there is so much of like people having to change where what they saw themselves as. So Renton is actually the, the child of this like I don't know guy who saved the world and he has to contend with that. And Holland thought he was the chosen one and he actually isn't. And it doesn't mean that they can't be who they were meant to be, but they have to deal with not meeting the expectations of who they thought they were going to be or who other people thought they were going to be. And uh, in the Uncommons, there's a little bit of that too. It, it, the battle isn't so much the Seeker, who is the villain, but it's also this internal fight of who do I think I can be and can I reach that person and having to do it with a group of other people who also are becoming. So that was really cool. Yeah. There's a, I think that's something that we all experience at some point is drawing the line between who I am and who I want to be. Mm. And I think, uh, I, I think that the, the choice that we're often faced with is, do I strive and push forward to be who I want to be? Or do I learn to accept and love who I am? And I think that honestly, instead of it being black and white, it ends up being a blend, right? Like I can look mm. in the mirror and love who I am. There's a, there's a quote that I use way too often to not know who said it, 
Uh, that's not who said it. <laughs> Here first. we are. But Here we I, are. there's a there's there's a quote that really speaks to me that says you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Um, mm. And I think that I think that that's something that that we as as people have to learn to balance. So when I mm. when I wrote these characters, all of them are experiencing that in some way. There are parts of Iris's backstory that I won't get into, partially because they haven't been covered in the comic but we when when iris has villains to fight not only is she fighting the seer but we very viscerally see her fighting this shadow in her head that Mm -hmm. says you can't do this you can't accomplish that you're you can't do that and we and we later find out that that shadow is like a representation of her mom that's how she hears her mother's voice in her head Mm -hmm. and Without spoiling anything that we haven't shown yet, what I'll say is that Iris's mom is a pretty big deal. So it's not just it's not just, oh, I have this negative voice of my mom in my head. The status that Iris's mom holds makes her words even more heavy. It mm. makes her word it makes her words even more impactful in a in a negative sense. Influencer was in Delta City to begin with, kind of just hanging around, coasting with his agent, doing whatever. But you, you think a guy like that would have family, right? Where are they? Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why have we not Ooh, heard about them? Mm-hmm. I did not really think that. Huh? Um, well, I mean, th- th- think about it. You, you're, you're really young. You have all this money, and you live in the middle of a city by yourself. And the last company that you had was this random girl that pulled up on you and knew your secret identity right away. Where, where, where are your people? Echo pops up in Delta City, and the question with Echo when he goes and talks to Kersey for the first time, and he says, "I can't let that happen again." The question is, well, what, well, what did you, what did you let happen before? Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> what did you let happen before? <laughs> and obviously, you feel very, you, you feel very. Uh, you, you feel some type of way about what you let happen before, because arguably right. all of your actions, this arc are motivated by mm-hmm. that thing that slipped past you the first time. So mm-hmm. what was, it? um, mm-hmm. and then, obvi- and then obviously Chikara, how, how much longer are you going to run? How, how much mm-hmm. longer are you going to run away when the, when the conflict arises? I think all of them, all of their characters are rooted at the intersection of these questions that are fun to play with, but also, when you sit down by yourself and think, you're like, do, do I have my answer to that yet? I don't know. Mm. Um, and I, I, I like grappling with that kind of stuff. Mm, that's true. That's true. Got you. Interesting. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Cause I mean, especially the, the influencer piece, I literally, I mean, he's friends with, um, what's his name? His agent, Reggie. Reginald. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the two of them, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I stand <laughs> Reggie. Um, but it's like, yeah, I definitely <laughs> like, it's like, okay, they're obviously very close. But yeah, aside from like him and Iris, it's kind of like, yeah, like where are his people? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Did not even peep that. But um, obviously excited to read more into this and sort of see what happens next. But I guess to sort of begin the, I guess, formal interview portion, like, would you mind just telling us a little bit how like sort of the uncommons, but also just like weird enough productions like came about? Like, what was your inspiration? Like, how has it grown? Just like, yeah, like what has that journey been like? So. I started Weird Enough when I was a junior in college, and I started it with the idea that I wanted to create uh, and and tell diverse stories, that I wanted a platform that I could use 
to bring stories to the world that I felt like the world needed. The, the story that I tell most often when I'm asked this question is about how it was 2014, Ferguson was like at its peak, Black Lives Matter was, was really taking over the national conversation. And mm-hmm. I was seeing the way that I was treated by my peers shift because of the ways that Black men were being portrayed in the media. And my thought mm-hmm. process was, well, I don't think media is going away. Uh, I don't think that people are suddenly going to be perfectly media literate tomorrow. I think that since the invention of mass media, it's had an impact on the world. What can, what does it look like for someone to leverage the media infrastructure that we have in a positive way? What does mm-hmm. it look like for someone to take advantage of this large scale communication uh, kind of platform that we have and use it to impact people positively? But what I often don't talk about when I tell this story is that. Even when I started Weird Enough, my idea was, oh, this might just be a school project. I might do it while I'm in school because when we first started, we made films. So we did a web series. We Mm -hmm. made like eight films. Um, One of them got an award at the National Film Festival for Talented Youth. And Mm -hmm. during the the summer of my junior year, I went and I interned in New York at this really big media company that I won't call out individually by name because of what I'm about to say. But I went... I went there and I showed up specifically with the idea that, yeah, I'm going to work here after graduation. After graduation, I'm going to move here. I'm going to work here and I'm going to work my way up in here and create the impact that I want to make. But Mm -hmm. when I got there, I instead found myself feeling very demoralized because I Mm -hmm. realized that the change that I wanted to make, there's no way I can make it from the inside of this machine. There's no Mm. way. I, I had an interview an informational interview with someone who was like director of director of programming and development. So this so this woman was for for her network for this channel. This woman was the person that said that had control over here's what shows we're running and here's what shows we aren't. And I told her I was like, well, I I want to write and I want to produce and I act a little bit and I just have a bunch of stories to tell. And I remember her saying like, okay, let me stop you right there. You got to pick one. If you want to write, there's a way for you to go be a writer. If you want to produce, there's a way for you to produce. If you want to be in development, there's a way for you to be in development. But you can't do all three. And I was like, well, I've, mm. I've already made my own films. I made my own stuff before. And she's like, everybody's done that. It doesn't really matter. And I remember after that conversation, mm. I remember after that conversation thinking to myself, you know, nobody has sat Issa Rae down and told her, oh, you got to do one. You got to pick one. You're not mm. allowed. To, you're not allowed to do multiple. Nobody sat Donald Glover down and was like, listen, man, you got all this cool stuff you want to do. But you got to pick one thing. And the 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 thing that it made me realize was that as long as you give other people control over your outcomes, they're always going to box you. They're always going to put you in like, okay, you do this one thing that I can clearly understand and mm. it's like for this and pay you for this. And what I'm finding in media in general is that everybody tells you no until you make your own. Yes. Everybody says, mm. everybody says, Nope, that's not allowed. You can't do that until people pay attention and then they're like, okay, I guess. Like, have you seen the TikTok video of the girl doing the the kombucha reaction thing? No. No. This TikTok video that went viral uh, around uh, a couple of months ago where uh, there's a girl who's trying kombucha for the first time 
And she has this really comedic reaction to it. It's like maybe a maybe a 10 second video. Maybe. Was, this like, was this was it like a meme? Like, I remember there being like some kombucha girl meme yes. for I'm not sure if this is linked or not, but like she 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 drinks it. And first she's like, no, 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 no. And then she stops. She's like, mm, well, and that was the part that everybody would like meme when they try something mm. for the <laughs> like, no, like, mm. Maybe. Um, I, I bring her up because she did that video. That video got millions of views and now she's represented by CAA and was the star of a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, off yeah. of a second TikTok video. But I guarantee you that if she walked up to somebody at CAA before that video got millions of views and was like, hey, I did this 10 second thing. You should watch it and sign it to your agency. They'd be like, what? What are you talking to me about? But the minute you can engage people around what you're doing, right. suddenly people are suddenly people are willing to play ball with you. So when mm. I got back to school, my process was I'm going to build weird enough up into something that is going to make people play ball with us. Mm. I've always really liked comics. I've always really enjoyed the medium. And after school, when I didn't have, when like when I was in school, I could go get thirty thousand dollars worth of camera equipment, rent it, use it for what I need it for, and take it back. I can't really do that at what I'm not <laughs> in school anymore. Right. But uh, there were stories that I wanted to tell that I thought were were best for the the kind of sequential art medium, and that brought us to the uncommons, which is something that I really love and care about, and that I think is going to make the world a bit better if if I can be so audacious. Mm. No. Please be audacious. Please. Think, especially when it comes to making the world better and not worse. Like, right. <laughs> but um, I was going to ask, kind of going off that point, what is it like or what, what are the difficulties and the advantages you found kind of making an online comic, kind of getting the creatives together, getting the, the behind the scenes, getting the artists, the stories Mm-hmm. What's that process look like for you and, and how do you go about, you know, kind of keeping everything organized, keeping everything moving smoothly? <laughs> I think that for me, what's allowed Weird Enough to find success is that I am married to the medium, like the graphic mm-hmm. novel medium. Mm-hmm. I am not married to the industry at all in any mm-hmm. way. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not super keen on okay, here's how the comics industry as a whole operates. Like, I think that if you, you, my, my basic idea is that when I want to get, when I want to be creative, my first thought is where's the money coming from? Because generally when you, when you want to make something, the thing that a lot of people say is, well, we don't have the funds for that. We don't have the money for it. So my idea is, well, where, where does the money come from? Where is the money going to come from? And the comics industry I appreciate the industry. I like the industry, but on paper, I'm like, you're not making enough money for me to go follow you. You're, mm-hmm. the, comic, the comics industry is not financially healthy enough for me to go and say, okay, I'm going to follow your model to the core. Like if, you, if you think about it, any given year, a best-selling comic may make a couple of million dollars, like the the comic that's the comic that everybody's buying last year. Like I'd be very interested to see sales figures for House of X, Powers of X last year, because that was probably the one. But you look at somebody like Epic Games and Epic makes like ninety nine million a, a month from microtransactions. Yeah. Epic makes more 
that makes like 50% of the comics industry's annual income in a month. Oh, wow. Microtransactions. And it's like, oh, well, why does that happen? So as a, as a business person, as a creative, I'm the type of person that goes, well, what is Epic doing? How are they monetizing? And Epic, like Epic, obviously, because it's a video game company, they lean really heavy into the, they lean really heavy into the the online aspect and the mm. online, the digital stuff. And I think that when making the Uncommons, my thought process was, uh, how do we take a digital comic and make it feel like a whole world for people to be a part of and make uh. it for people? And to be honest, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm like a, a super wise person on that. We're still trying things and learning what works and what doesn't. But I think that from the beginning, my thought process for the webcomic was, what does it mean to make it feel like more of a web, more, more of a, more of like a lifestyle? Like the the example that I use is My Hero Academia. My Hero Academia is everywhere. And the thing that surprises me most is that most people that are My Hero Academia fans don't, don't read the manga. And that's not me being a gatekeeper because I don't read the manga either. Like I'm talking mm-hmm. about myself. <laughs> I love that show. I have so many T-shirts. I have every pop figure for that show that's come out. I'm waiting for the right uh, for the right resin statue for me to blow like three hundred dollars on. Like I lo- I love that show, and yet I don't engage with the manga at all. I've only read like I think I got into it a couple of months before season two came out. And when season two came out, I was watching it. I was watching it like every week, talking to people about it. But on paper, the show around season two, the show only had like twenty four episodes. Mm. How do you generate hundreds of millions of dollars in merchandise revenue and brand awareness? off of 24 episodes what Mm. how does that work how does that how do you do that and i think that i think that's that's what we try to do or or that that's the code that's the code that we're trying to crack so like yeah it's a webcomic but there are there there are ways to make the content live beyond its initial Mm. and that's kind of how we that that's the thing that we that we try to that we try to put our uh, our, our effort into, I think as far as the actual development of the product, I'm lucky that I get to work with such amazing and talented people. Weird enough got started in 2014. I think the idea for the uncommons started brewing in my head in early 2016. And I was very unclear on what it was at the time. I think Iris was the first character that kind of popped into my head. And I remember imagining her as a character and thinking like, well, who is she? What do I want her to be? What does she have to experience for her to get there? And who needs to be there with her for her to get there? And mm-hmm. the the group kind of emerged from that. I think in order it was Iris, Chikara, then Sage, then Influencer, um, then oh, interesting. um that that was the that was the order, the order that everybody popped up in in my head. We worked with uh, Geneva Bowers, who's one of my favorite people in the world, um, and figure out, okay, exactly how do these people look? Um, and as a writer, I didn't know what some of their personalities were going into the character designs. Like something that's really funny is that on her original character sheet, Chikara is like the is like the den mother of the group. Chikara is like the I'm very nice and I care about everyone and 
I just want everyone to smile. Like that was her original personality. And then mm-hmm. when I saw the character design, I was like, oh no, she'll hurt you. <laughs> she's upset i like that keep that <laughs> um, keep that energy like <laughs> I, I was like keep that Hon- honestly now i think about it all of y'all are too happy ever since yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm i'm glad she's the way that she is i think that uh for for a significant uh, so the the comic itself we split it into arcs currently we're in arc one and for arc one, I co-wrote it with one of my best friends, uh, Rashid Cheek, who mm-hmm. I, I think that even though even though he stopped being involved in an official writing capacity towards the end of arc one, I think that what the conversations that Rashid and I had at the beginning of everything about well, what is this world and what are the rules of the world and how do people behave and what countries exist and what doesn't and what's mm-hmm. the what are the parameters of this world? I think that's something that was really important and, and has allowed us to kind of tell a really tight story in the sandbox that we're playing in. Um, uh, the artists that we work with, Hannah Lee and Andy Robles Valdez, are extremely talented, love getting the opportunity to work with them. I think I lucked out. I just have a really strong team. And obviously, I was deliberate about the way that I picked them and kind of what our personalities were and what everyone brings to the table. But I, I love my team. And I think the the focus that I had on how do we make this webcomic in a sustainable way is what allowed me to build the team that I wanted. Because I think that on paper, four people working on one comic feels a little excessive, don't it? Like it feels a little, especially for webcomics. Like there, right. there are webcomics where it's like, it's me, my basement, and my cat. And we ride at midnight. Let's go. Hey. I'm, I'm making a comic. Um, right. But us, we have like Asana boards and weekly discussions and, okay, let's have this script meeting so that I can send you all these reference images. It's a process that works for us. And I like it. Mm-hmm. Got you. That's so interesting. And I, I guess kind of going along with that same vein of just like how the story was initially like conceptualized. I'm really curious about like the technology sort of messages. Like the seer clearly feels a way about people's Ooh. relationship to uh, right he do, um, <laughs> to technology. So I'm kind of curious like where that came from and sort of like because like we we see seer, but a lot of it is in sort of this dramatic like final boss energy. Like okay, girl, like y'all yeah. have to like roll up. Like I'm kind of curious like sort of where yeah like where that inspiration comes from and just yeah like just to hear a little bit more about about his character. So. For the seer, I'll say this, and this might be a little controversial, but I'll say it. And if you think it's total nonsense, call me on it, okay? Mm-hmm. My my belief with the seer is that I really wanted to encapsulate this whole online troll incel type energy with the belief that people don't have to be that way. Like, I think that there is a very, I think there's a very there's a subset group of like 14 year old boys that feel like they're slighted by women for some reason that go into online communities and get radicalized even more and turn into these like monstrous, terrible people that just hate everything and don't recognize anybody's humanity and are really sexist and really misogynist. And most of the time, really racist and really homophobic too. Yep. The the seer is supposed to be the seer is supposed to be my commentary of saying like 
people aren't born like this. People are made into this. Mm. So we see, we see the seer as this figure, but directly next to the seer, we see Sage, right? And mm-hmm. as we, as the story progresses and we interact with Sage, the question becomes, well, who is Sage? Because when he hangs out with the seer, he's one person. When he encounters the uncommons, he's another person. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Iris and the seer are supposed to represent different sides of of the spectrum and at one point in the arc we see sage in the middle kind of moving between what happens if i go a little bit over here and what happens if i go a little bit over here and i think that is the commentary like the that that phrase that people say was like you are what you eat i think when you're online you become what you surround yourself with the comment sections where you choose to go spend your time the pages that you follow the people that you retweet the opinions that you let infiltrate your space you might wake up one day and have some real problematic opinions right mm-hmm. and, i don't think i don't think ahead. that's a fuego take i think that makes sense i think that's pretty <laughs> you know what i mean like that's i think a lot of people talk about this radicalization of of american youth on the internet and i think marcy we're actually just talking about this earlier about if you like look back at 2010 and 11, you can kind of see seeds of this in a way that mm-hmm. people really ignored. And that, and so when people are like, now, like, where could this have come from? And you're like, well, if you were on the internet in 2009, <laughs> you would have seen. Um, but I really, I agree. I, I like how the story kind of illustrates a villain that isn't just, that, that comes out from like, I guess the bubbling miasma of like our collective... <laughs> internet use you know it's it's something we're all sort of growing together and from that there's good you know where you see with influencer mm-hmm. and, and there's also bad where you see with the seer and just how powerful those things can can be so yeah i, I think that makes sense I, I don't know maybe i'm also <laughs> well, i think Wildin'. i i i think that the place where the place where people start to disagree with me is that I like I I think that people I think people don't give each other enough chances. And that's not me doing that weird thing where it's like, oh, cancel culture has gone too far. I'm like, by all means, the consequences for your action. I don't I don't think cancel culture exists. Like I think I think consequences for your actions exist, but right. I do think I do think that the connection that we have to people online has created a space where consequences aren't doled out equally and people mm-hmm. don't have the opportunity to grow sometimes. And when I say people, I don't mean like you're in your thirties and you said something racist when you were, when, when you were, when you were 31 and now you're 33 and you're like, it was so long ago. Um, <laughs> I'm more so talking about kids, like specifically kids, mm-hmm. like literal minors yeah, where Honestly, by the time you hit 18, I'm still looking at you like, all right, you know better. But these mm-hmm. kids that are like 12 and 13 years old that don't have a lot of friends, so they go play Fortnite and hang out with their friends at Fortnite and end up talking to grown people in Fortnite mm-hmm. and get hooked onto some like 4chan thing. Like those kids, I don't think we give them the opportunity to evolve. Like I saw a video the other day on Twitter which honestly, I don't think any good statement starts with that phrase. I saw a video the other day on Twitter. (laughs) There was this kid, he was black. He looked like he was no older than 14 years old. And a lot of people couldn't tell, but I think 
I think I hang out with enough people to know I'm I'm pretty sure that this kid like that he was on the autism spectrum and there were these guys that were filming him and talking to him and it was very clear that they were goading him on because he was on camera and mm-hmm. he was just trying to look cool for them because they were laughing and I think that since they were laughing he thought that like they were laughing with him and not mm-hmm. at- um he was saying things about how he likes white women more than he likes black women. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you're 14. That's not a really smart take. Why are you saying this for <laughs> why are you saying this for these guys on camera? But then it got put on Twitter and literally thousands of comments like, oh, he's so ashy. And I remember thinking to myself, like, yo, he's like a he's a teenager and I'm pretty sure he's on the autism spectrum. And you're just like using this as an opportunity to dunk on him for retweets to make yourself appear more like progressive and i don't like that energy get the, like I've, I've had so much stupid stuff when i was 14 years old are you kidding me same honestly stupid. Same. well it's quite hard to grow up now where everything you say is recorded and, and remembered without you having a chance to grow because i i mean yeah i also said quite a few dumb things as a child <laughs> maybe yesterday maybe i said quite a few dumb things yesterday <laughs> um but i also was grown enough to know not to put it on twitter but I think, and I, I've thought about this a lot as kind of a nerd black girl in my youth who who was a bit um, misfitty, <laughs> to say the least, um, and dealt with a decent number of, of bullies. Um, and I think sometimes I wonder why, not why, but I, I think about the amount of space that's that's held for people who say bad things and and the lack of space that's held for people who receive it. Mm. and the lack of space that's given to how much harm that causes them and how much they have to work through to grow. So we think a lot about 4chan radicalized these people, and now they've said some crazy racist, homophobic, sexist, you know, the list goes on Mm -hmm. thing. But what about that kid in your school who is, you know, a young queer kid, a young black kid, a young whatever kid who hears that and, and who doesn't, there, I, I've checked on NPR and all these articles. There's a lot of articles about reformed white supremacy. There's a lot of articles about people who, who talk about radicalization on the internet. But mm-hmm. I, I just remember there's a story about this little black girl who's in school. And for some reason, <laughs> they go on this field trip. And for some reason that no one can explain, this girl ends up with a rope around her neck. Oh, my God. These, I remember that. Yeah. yeah and I these deep lines across her neck. Now, I'm like... So if this girl learns how to hate the world, who is going to help her? Yeah. Where is the article for her? Yeah. And I am very for second chances. So for them. I'm so for forgiveness. And I, I do think that radical love and that sort of openness and space for people allows the world to move forward. But also, there are major consequences for people's actions. And I do not always think that the grace falls fairly. Mm. I'd, I'd, uh, I agree with you 100%. You. I think that there there are sometimes where I get really frustrated where I'm like, yo, we do all these documentaries and interviews on like this guy used to be a white supremacist and now right. he's not. I think that we get so caught up in this like, oh, we want to see stories where people change and transform that sometimes we totally ignore. Hey, have you considered that? I didn't have to go through a redemption arc in the first. Right. right. Um, <laughs> I, I, w- I was pretty cool. And me and that guy grew up in the same world. So I don't know, man. Right. Maybe you're mm-hmm. talking to the wrong person. I, I I get that. 
I get I get that I understand that a lot and I don't think I don't think that the I don't think that the outcomes of people's actions go away but I think that with kids in particular with young people if we can catch them early enough mm-hmm. there's a way to stop them from hurting more there's a way to stop mm-hmm. them from hurting more people if that mm-hmm. makes sense and I no, think that the question with sage is like where is the line Mm. Where's the line between when you were redeemable and when you were totally lost? Where where do we draw it? Where does it go? And I think that the seer is kind of our the 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 seer the seer. I, I think that when we look at the seer, I really want people to look in a mirror. Like mm-hmm. I think that the seer is a totally detestable person. He is not someone that I would want to be around. But the annoying thing when he talks is that like sometimes he got a point, and I don't like that. I don't like that as such a mm-hmm. terrible person. He has a point sometimes. Like issue number two, he shows up, guns blazing, and is like, yo, y'all have become real complacent with the way that the world is. You just you buy what they tell you to buy, you retweet what they tell you to retweet, you stand all these people that have no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. What what are you doing? What are you spend what are you spending your time doing? And it gets villainous to the point, it gets villainous when he goes. It's cool. You're trapped. I'll set you free. It's fine. I'll handle it myself mm. because my my views on salvation and what critical thinking are and how people should behave are obviously the way that everyone else should be behaving. So don't worry about it, dog. I mm. got you. I think that when he takes matters into his own hands mm. is when it becomes villainous. Mm-hmm. But the but the basic idea of him showing up and saying like, hey, you pay attention to what you do at all because it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look like it. Like, I think the seer is the type of person that would go off on those people that post K-pop fan cams and Twitter comments. Mm-hmm. It's like you we're we're on a social media platform. People are trying to talk to each other and you spend your time posting videos of a celebrity group that has no idea who you are that you've never met. And mm-hmm. your and your response is, well, I just want people to support them. It's like, well, they have a they have a multi-million dollar record label paying for marketing for people to support them. They don't need your help specifically. Does mm. need your help though, people that don't have multi-million dollar marketing, but go find some indie musicians to plug instead of retweeting it, like BTS does not need your help. Mm. Um you get like like that's that's the kind of the kind of tangent that he'd be on. I but see. if you mm. if, if you look at his character, because what it, it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something without trying to spoil because I'm not entirely sure how far in the story you all are. But if you notice, the seer pops up and talks about things, and then he gets mad that nobody's talking about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like, "Listen, bro, I literally I I hijacked one of your national landmarks. It's like I I I disabled your security systems. I hacked in all your video displays. I endanger like a thousand people and." Mm-hmm. You just put out a listicle about what songs influencer has on his workout playlist. What, <laughs> what, what is your problem? And you know what's so that is so and like, oh my god, this is so interesting because I feel like so a lot of thoughts, but like I think the Sears character is just so it's it, it's 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 so ironic in itself because it's like yeah, it's like you are like critiquing technology and you're critiquing. You're, it's like kind of this whole idea of like oh y'all are sheep. All of you are just like falling in line like no one here is like actually thinking or analyzing the world for what it is but at the same time you still like you're both 
your ideas probably came from a relationship with technology and like mm. finding kind of like you said, like this sort of like radicalized, I don't know, forum or something <laughs> where it's like you were able to brew and like mature these ideas. But then at the same time, it's like you like you still are trying to rely on a certain influence of technology and like right. technology is literally integral in, in, in how you actually like are even able to have an effect on people. On like when anything. you are like, no, like when you're fighting influencer, like you need like the technological pull of the things around mm. you. So you, it's like, it's like you need it and you're using it and you're relying on it for your platform. And yet simultaneously you're salty that like people aren't really like, you know, like caving for you like that. And also right. it's just like, it's like this lack of self-reflection. It's it's like this pompous, like, oh girl, I just know everything girl. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. Like, it's like y'all are just, oh, and it's just like, but you, there's so much that you're not seeing in yourself. Like there's so many right. inconsistencies in your own character. Yeah. And it's just like, that's so, it's just so fascinating. It's just that's, so. That's exactly what it's intended to be. Right. Like it's so when one thing about arc one in particular is that we have this large scale story of Iris saw this oncoming evil and Iris needs to fight this evil. We we don't know where it is. We don't know where it's coming from. She's got to do something about it. What is Iris going to do? We know that. Right. We've we, we progress in that. Mm-hmm. But in arc one, as we go on that journey, the seer pops up. And as a villain, the seer has very strong resonance with three members of our group so Mm. echo is kind of in the background for a lot of this arc and in arc two echo gets the chance to shine which makes people excited because for whatever reason echo is a person that everyone's decided to thirst after and i won't lie to you i did not see that coming at all Um, but uh, (laughs) but i'm I'm like i'm like all right cool like echo hangs out in the background a little bit which like he recognizes and doesn't like, which is what causes him to kind of step up a little bit in arc two. But you have influencer who's like, I rely on technology and use technology as a way to hype myself up. Like I have millions of fans, but I'm not a fan of myself. I need technology. For mm. Then you have Sage who technology is how I found community. And that community is kind of toxic, but that community is still my community. Like it's all I got. So that's just where I am. If my options are have community but not have it, I'd rather hang out with the toxic people because at least I get to hang out with people. And then mm-hmm. you get Chikara who's like, I don't mess with technology at all. All y'all need to chill. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like it at all. <laughs> if you if you knew how this stuff was being manufactured, if you knew how this stuff was being sourced, if you knew what was happening to people that made all of your gear, I don't think you'd be doing it. Which is in part a commentary on like large-scale technology factories and things like that. But the Uncommon mm. takes place a little bit in the future. Like It's in the future, but it's not like 300 years in the future, right? Mm, um, in your future. And I think... I think that they I think that there are some things that people aren't thinking about when it comes to technology. Like, we do a lot of work with education systems, and there is a, there's a very large uh, focus right now to get people to code. People are like, people are like, you need to code, you need to code, you need to code. And the idea mm. was... Well, according to Apple and and Facebook and Google and all these big companies, there are jobs with six figure salaries that aren't getting filled because people need to be able because people don't have the coding qualifications. So the education system was like, hey, there are these six figure jobs that aren't getting filled. We want our students to have these six figure jobs. We're going to teach them how to code, which Mm -hmm. on paper makes sense. But when you as a as a when nationally the entire education system 
shifts its agenda to fill the needs of the private sector five years ago, that's not going to go over very well. Like that's not, that doesn't sound very smart to me. And I told someone, I said, Hey, because like we've advanced so far when it comes to STEM education that today a fifth grader can code. There are fifth graders that are learning how to code. 10 years from now, everybody walking onto a college campus is going to know how to code. Now, I don't know what capitalism you live under, but the capitalism mm. that I live under, nobody's paying a six-figure salary for something that every fifth grader knows how to do. I get uh, Yeah. <laughs> so in, in the Uncommons with Chikara's backstory, the idea is what happens when we get to a point where somebody knowing how to code is treated the same as somebody working at McDonald's? Like what happened? Mm. Skill labor, because we've saturated the market so much, it's become a basic skill. Like you can read, you can write, and you can code. That just is what it is. What, mm. what, what happens to our technology consumption when the job market becomes that? And that leads to a lot of Chikara's disdain because we, without getting too much, I think we can all agree that the minute somebody devalues a skill, we start devaluing those people too. Mm. Um, Especially and- you. Your point, Tony, is really, really well taken in the sense that, okay, so we've just funneled our education system to the needs of this private sector and haven't asked about the becoming of people, (laughs) haven't asked about, you know, who they could be and and to move the world forward on an intellectual level or even on like a philosophical level. So now we're still just allowing these sort of big corporate players to decide what has value and what matters. And Mm. we, we haven't at all we're all like, oh, well, if this is where the jobs are, this is where the jobs are. Well, have we have we asked ourselves, like, should Google and, and Apple and, and Amazon be in charge of the future <laughs> of, right. our, of and not just our country, but our, you know, the human experience? Maybe that's also something we should question. That's a that's a really good point. That's an interesting point. If you're a big tech company and you have six figure jobs and aren't being filled because there's a skills gap then obviously they don't need to be filled that bad. Because if they did, Mm. then you as a multi-million dollar tech company can either hire a consultant to train them or have your own in-house talent development program. Mm. It is not the public education system's responsibility to become your pipeline for what you need today, knowing that these kids aren't going to graduate for another five or six years. And by then you might have moved on to something completely different. And I like I, I I think that that's the that's the push and pull that's happening in Arc One. There's a there's a big push and pull in terms of technology. It's like I hate it, but I need it. But it separates me from people. But it connects me to people. But it helps people. But it hurts people. And mm. that na- our our characters get to navigate that. And it's not like we get to a point at the end where we look at the camera and we go. Today we learned that technology (laughs) can be very helpful when implemented in the right circumstances. Like it's not like we we don't get that. It's left in the air Mm. for the reader to for for the for the reader to decipher. But I I feel accomplished when someone looks at the seer and goes, yo, number one, he's he's way too dramatic for his own good. Number two, this guy is really bad news. And then he says something and you go, yeah, but you, you kind of write about that though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> that, that makes me feel like I'm doing something right. 
a nuanced villain, you know, someone yeah. who you're like, like, like Killmonger. You're like, Killmonger, uh, that's everything you're doing is bad. And then he'll say one point, you're like, oh, he's kind of right, though. Right. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you're 90% bad, but, but, oh, damn, that one thing. <laughs> it's like, you, you sound like a hotel that went unchecked, but that's true. Where did they get that stuff for the museum? Right. For the museum. That's exactly what <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember being, I remember hearing that part and going, oh, well, you got me there. So you think they paid a fair price? You are correct, sir. They did yeah. not. It's like, <laughs> and that's, and I think that's what makes reading through just the, like this media specifically, like so interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, like, I mean, Akko and I, we, you know, we went into a whole thing where we talked about our um, thoughts on the uncommons, but it's just nice to read characters where it's like, there was clearly just like a lot of thoughts that like went right. behind this. Cause I, so Akko and I always, like, I, I feel like I'm always like sharing this with, with her, but I, I always am of the mind of if you don't need characters mm-hmm. take them out like don't <laughs> this is like, Mar- biggest pet peeve. I, like it's like i hate like i hate more than anything when like and i think it's because i just like consumed a lot of naruto and it was just like y'all are just introducing new people like like really are not like what exactly are they adding to the overall it's like they're just here for like a quick mission and then yep. we just never hear from them again and i'm like if you just took that same time to invest in who's already there it's just like a 10, richer 10. Just right, saying. like Tintin. Oh my God! Justice <laughs> for Tintin, <laughs> bro. Oh it's like people try to clown her, and I'm like, but like, okay, but like, the reason you clown her is because she hasn't been developed. Because like, right. the writers decided that they didn't care about Tintin. So, <laughs> side, like, side note, and I know this takes us completely off track. I think Tintin could have been one of the most powerful people in the Naruto universe. Ooh, I think Tintin, wait, wait, keep talking. Wait, hold up. Tintin could have been the Urza Scarlet of the Naruto universe, and here's why. If her clan focuses on weapons and weapons mastery in a world where you have legendary weapons like this, like the swords used by the seven swordsmen of the mist, those weird gore things that collect chakra, Mm -hmm. what would it look like for Tintin to go and obsessively collect those items? Like if at base, if at base level you have weapons mastery already, and then you go and Have get legendary weapons. weapons. Like literally, and like if Tintin had all seven swords of the swordsman of the mist, are you kidding me? If she oh had even God. if she had even half of them, half of these magical items that, that exist in the Naruto universe that don't get expounded upon enough anyway, like they show up for one character's gimmick thing and right. then then they're gone <laughs> and the and the weapon like drops to the bottom of the ocean. No, don't let it drop to the bottom of the ocean. Let it yeah. wash up ashore and Tintin is on the lookout for it. Like I right. I justice for Tintin, man. Um, <laughs> misused opportunity, and I won't give too much about it. But there's a character in our universe that's literally, if Tintin was done right, and I love her. She's great. <laughs> interesting. And I think this is someone from like a future arc. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Interesting. And and so that's the thing. It's just like it, it, exactly that. It's just like the that kind of like investment and like foresight. And okay, I'm not just not saying that like you cannot figure out elements of characters as you write them like you certainly like as you go through the writing process that you kind of discover things about different characters you can switch things up like i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but it's just like the lazy like introduction of like irrelevant people and like all of it's just like i just feel like time and care and storytelling and putting together characters shows and in this in particular with this like reading through these characters like it was just like wow like there's clearly just a lot of thought 
given to people and everyone kind of has their thing that it's like okay no one's just like here for the ride like there's no perfunctory like oh we need like five people to take on the seer oh like random person walking down the street do you want to you know like it's just like everyone makes sense and everyone has like layers and there's just like something interesting about all of them that it's like wow this is just like it's just captivating to see them interact with each other and it's just like even like their personalities like like iris and like influencer have this thing where she's just like oh yeah you know influencer he's like well girl my name is kenny you really just you could just use my government you really need to just <laughs> they're dead you know, like, so cute <laughs> so it's just like it's like that that like that and seeing that happen between layered people just like makes it hit so much better because it's like you care about both of these people so it's like these moments of bonding or humor and all of that it's just like oh i care it's not like two irrelevant individuals i'm just like you know cute moment but like i don't care you know it's just it's like true. my my point of view is that for every character that i make is that if i got rid of you in the world of the comic wouldn't change that much then there's no point in you being here is my general idea and i think that i i i think that I get to use that philosophy just because what we're trying to build is something that's long-term that hopefully expands into multiple storylines. Like our arc one is really just our, our arc one is really just step one. It's really just, Hey, this is the world. Here's where we are. Arc two is when, when things start to move and thing and um, arc two is when things start to move and we see, Oh, wow, this is, this this is bigger than what it looked like on page one issue number one mm. um and i i think that the you to get people invested people get invested in characters and you can't like you said you can't bloat it up everybody everybody's there for a purpose and mm. even for me even like the side characters that appear for one moment every everybody everybody has a purpose like period everybody mm. has a purpose even when in issue number one, when Iris is at the train station and she looks out from the balcony of the train station and she's when when she says, um, they say you can find anything in the city. And she looks out and she sees like three very distinct groups of people. All of those people were picked for a specific reason. I need that. I need those people to communicate something to you about the world, about the world that you're in. Like, mm. uh, so, like we, we talk about we talk about diversity. And I, I think that diversity lends itself to amazing storytelling. I think it's less about. Oh, let me put something on the page so that somebody feels good, which like that's great. But I think it's more about there are there there are layers of personality and individual development that you just can't have unless you incorporate people from a variety of backgrounds. It makes the story mm. better objectively. Right. So when Iris looks out, when Iris looks out, we get here and we get in the city and she looks out over the balcony. And we see the and we see this gay couple playing basketball with each other. It's like, okay, cool. So you know that you're in this world. I need you to know this from like page one. If you're mm-hmm. if you if you're a person that's gay, if that's a community that you're a part of, I need you to know from the minute you open the comic that when I talk about this futuristic world, that you're here, that you're a part of it, that you're a part of what makes it a place where people can find anything that like you at you add to the giant bright light that this world is. And I need you to know that from page one because mm. it comes up late. Like I, I need even the, even the individual scenes when we show people like um in episode in, in issue number two, when, um when, when Iris is looking for influencer and influencer sees those kids hoverboarding. And one of them says something about like, Oh, it has a luminous battery. Like, 
those hoverboards are important and the luminous battery is important. But you don't know it when you read mm. when you read issue number two, page one. It doesn't it doesn't come up until it doesn't come up until a little later. But that's mm. how meticulous I am with okay, if we're placing someone here, then that person that person has to go here for a reason. Uh, I think my most the the character that I enjoy the most or that I enjoyed the most outside of the main cast is Reggie. Like I just I just like oh. Reggie so much. Reggie. And Reggie, yes. <laughs> Reggie's hilarious. In part because I think that when we meet influencer, we don't like him. And I'm like, I don't go out of the way to make him likable. Like he's not low, low key before the before the group shows up, I don't know that I would want to hang out with influencer mm-hmm. that much. But the whole point the whole reason that Reginald is there is to like balance it. Mm-hmm. Um because in the beginning, it's like, okay, well, he has this agent that's like breathing down his neck and is trying to get him toured on like tour dates and stuff. So maybe that's why he's so business oriented. But then as he like fears, as as he starts to grow, you see Reggie grow with him. And mm. I think like their friendship humanizes him a bit. And I'm like, we, we need Reggie for that. I, I need mm. Reggie. I need sunglasses. Everybody needs a Reggie in their life. It's my mm. my person. Got you, got you. Ah, uh, I love that. I just, mm, I love that, and I think that the fact that you can write a story where it's like everyone is integral, down to the people who sort of are just able to like, you know, fill the background. It's like it's like even in the design, like, and it's funny that you actually mentioned that moment because I remember when we were talking, like, I that was something that like when I first started reading it, I was like, wow, there's just like this casually placed gay couple. It's not, it's not, it's no like, oh my god, like it's just like. It's just it's just normalized. And like that kind of casual representation, I think, is like what it's like having both that coupled with like nuanced and like well thought out like characters and stories just like makes it better. Because I feel like sometimes like people are like, oh, you know, like diversity is like super important. Da, da, da. And it's like people will write. It, it's like you, you still have to write a good story. Like you right. still like still needs to be good and needs to like have that care put into it. And so, yeah, or seeing that Mary is. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, or your diversity can't just be, you know, the background, the backdrop. Right. (laughs) You know, in which the main characters who uh, are not that, I mean, not that they're not complex, but maybe don't have any diversity. They're just like, oh, the colorful background for which we walk through our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I try to look at everything as an opportunity to make a statement. So if we're if we're in a scene, then I'm making a statement not just in the dialogue that the characters are saying. I'm making a statement in what the characters have on. I'm making a statement in how they're sitting. I'm making a statement in where they are. Um, so this is like light spoilery. You might have read this part. It's like light spoilery. There is a location in our in our world. Um, you see ads for it. Uh, when they show the plaza in issue number one, the logo says KC. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it is it is one of my favorite visual gags that is going to continue throughout the story. <laughs> um, so the so so the the KC stands for Kohei's Coffee. Um, and it's Kohei like Kohei Horikoshi who writes My Hero Academia. And in the world, there's uh-huh. just like there's just like a chain of My Hero Academia themed boba cafes <laughs> what um so like they like so, like we we don't talk about it like i don't even show you the the name of the restaurant like uh-huh. they're chilling they're chilling in the restaurant they're sitting 
and Iris orders something and uh the person at the at the at the register is like who had who ordered one lord explosion mango and Iris is like that's me I got that one and when you look at it it's like a mango drink that's like bakugo themed because in the show he's lord explosion murder um and oh, like my god <laughs> just just like sprinkle those random details in there but but when when you talk about the background characters in that boba shop like there are so many black nerds hanging out in that shop and that and like that's on purpose. It's like, I don't need to say it and be like, hey, did you know that black people could be nerds too? Right. I just wait that <laughs> opportunity to stuff like make to like to to make that statement. Like we have um there are esports in our world and there's a person who is like recurring in all of our esports ads that if you squint at him a little bit, looks real similar to Sonic Fox. And it's like the mm. the statement is there that there 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 are black people in these fields. There are black people in these in uh in, in these verticals that are that are participating in these hobbies. Um, I my my running gag is that everywhere that they go, there is some cafe that's themed after a popular shonen manga, and that's like I think I invest more time in like what is the <laughs> menu at Kohei's cafe yes, <laughs> <laughs> I spent way too much time like Rashid when Rashid and I were writing it, he got tired of me because I was like, I was like, wait, you know how Wendy's has the four for four. We can have a dollar menu called an all for one and it's going to be great. <laughs> and, it, and Rashid's like, shut up. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be writing the story. And I'm like, they can get a potato dish. They can call it a Texas hash. It'll be great. This but- is it. This is why people are going to read the <laughs> But the details, see, the, the yeah. details make it complete. Because I remember I even think. at the very beginning, I remember there was a scene where Iris, it was like Iris and Influence had just started talking to each other. Like she was in his apartment and she was holding one of his figures and she was like talking about something, but she was just making these very different facial expressions and the figure in her hand was like doing the same thing. And I was like, this figure is like low key mm-hmm. moving along with her and is like also a character, strangely, like it's like, um, it's like underscoring the emotion that she's experiencing and i'm like that's wild also it's funny that you mentioned the cafe because i remember the scene where it was like before they saw seer for the second time and they were trying to figure out like their strategy like you know they're talking iris is like getting everyone's attention um and there was like this random <laughs> random person in the back that was like um the diversity feels forced yeah. like talking yeah. about the hero and everyone was like bro uh, shut the fuck up like honestly who are you like and i was i just Oh my god, I loved that because I was like, it was just such a funny, just like what the fuck, but also just like that's so real though. Like, there's always that one person that's just right. like annoying. Like, oh my god, it just adds we're, so much we're, texture. We're hanging out. We're 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 binding our business. Right. <laughs> our main characters, like Iris, is telling a story, and everybody's getting engaged by the story. All these people are popping up because they're interested in the story. People are like. Wow, that's a good story. I like this part. I like this part. And he has always that one guy that worse to me. And that panel of like all these women in PLC turning and looking at him like, boy, if you don't get right, how did you even get us out of this cafe? Leave. <laughs> right. Oh my. You know what God. it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of like in Atlanta and um and Insecure too. Like there'll be like these very underlying things that have nothing to do with the main plot. So for instance, on, on Insecure. 
every season there's like a television show that people are watching and like it has nothing to do with the plot but it's like a very black based television like the first one was about slate what was it inside i don't know it was about slavery (laughs) like is this a whole like soap opera or even um what was it? This season, I think it's a, like this is a girl is missing and her name's Latoya, and the, the, the police keep calling her Toyota and like putting up pictures <laughs> of cars. <laughs> like the investigator is like, "You do know that's a car, right?" And they're like, "No more questions." They like walk out. It's just like it has it has nothing to do with the plot, but just that kind of oh level God. of detail of adding it all together it does like. Sometimes I'll be cackling just about what's happening in the background, <laughs> and I think that totally goes to your point about um immersiveness right like it's not just the main story now i'm interested i'm invested because of the the small little easter eggs that i'm looking for and you know it's fun i like it Mm. oh my gosh but yes but (laughs) i guess to sort of wrap things up where do you see like weird enough going in like three to five years are there any series like in the works outside of the uncommon like what's the tea so i think that I'm a really big shonen fan, and the thing about most shonens, most long-running shonens, is that I personally think that their storytelling could be tighter if they gave their characters different titles, if that makes sense. So, like, for example, we talked about Tintin earlier. I think Tintin would have got I, – I, so one thing about Naruto is that most characters in Naruto that aren't Tintin, you could grab them and <laughs> give them their own 25-episode anime. That's and it true. Worked. Like, I watch a 25-episode Kakashi anime. I watch a 25-episode um, Asuma anime. I watch a 25-episode anime about the will of fire and just, like, from Hokage to Hokage is mm. getting passed down. I'd watch a anime with Obito as the anti-hero for 25 episodes, just, like, showing his journey and what he was doing in the background. All those stories are there. Same with One Piece. There are so many characters in One Piece where I'm like, yeah, bro, they give you 12 episodes right now, and I'm down. I'll mm. watch <laughs> Especially Sabo. I'm like, you can give Sabo his own show and I'll watch. Honestly, I, I love facts. <laughs> um, so for us, my idea is what does it look like to implement that faithfully? Like what what does it look mm-hmm. like to say? So so essentially we have we have this big thing, right? Where mm-hmm. we have Iris's eyes, um, we have uh we have this prophecy that she's seen. And we have these shadow people that seem very informed about what is going on. Yeah. They all have their eyes set on Iris. Um, and that's and that's where the story is right now. In arc two, we expand on that a little bit. I think that in my head, ideally what happens is that I have four arcs planned for the Uncommons. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the end of arc four, there's an event cracks the world wide open um that allows us to go okay cool so the story of the uncommons continues but the way that it continues is this person has their own title and this person Mm -hmm. has their own title and this person has their own title and i i can be transparent and say that it's not okay here's iris's comic here's influencers comic uh here's shikara's comic here's echo's comic there are people that haven't showed up in the comic yet uh, that when they show up, it'll become abundantly clear that, oh, this person has something to say and I need mm. them to get I, 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 I need I need them to get on their title. OK, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes, because like I hadn't even realized that, like, yeah, like this is one of four 
arcs. Like I was like, oh my god, they're like in it. Like like this is okay. They're popping off, and it's like wow, there's so much to come. Which personally, I I am excited. So yes, uh, but thank you, Tony. This has been just truly just like so fun. Like I just enjoyed <laughs> this conversation with you. So thank you so much for getting on the show with us. Yes, but is there anything remaining that you would like to leave our listeners with? Like any advice or just, yeah, yeah. just any general things? Um, any book recommendations or comic ooh. recommendations, perhaps? I'm always like, read the uncommons, read the uncommons. <laughs> we're, we're on Webtoon. We update three times a week. We're getting, we're getting you a lot of content fast. So definitely check out the uncommons. Tell your friends. Every, every time we put an update, I get comments that are like, like, why aren't more people reading this? This is so underrated. And I'm like, you know, guys, I don't know. But tell your friends. <laughs> tell your friends. Tell your people. Because uh, I, I, I think that my goal by the end of the year is that I want to have an animated series in development. And like Ooh. I said earlier, everybody tells you no until you make your own yes. Right. So I think that it's by engaging people and really hearing and, and people really hearing people's voices and saying like, yo, this is, this, this is really cool. That, that we that we can get something going. I'm confident. I'm audacious in that. General advice, I like talking to creatives a lot and I like saying don't don't try to do things alone. It's difficult. And I think that very often when we look at like, oh, one piece was written by this one person, Naruto was written by this one person. But even they had assistants and teams and editors. Don't try to dive in by yourself because it could get overwhelming. You truly need a team. Like you mm. need a team. And as far as comment recommendations, I always recommend Cosmo Knights by Hannah Templer. I love it. Space gladiators, robots, lesbians. It's a fun time. I have a Ooh, great time. Cosmo Knights? Uh, <laughs> yes, it's okay. great. I love it. It's um, literally on Google. Okay, c- keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I am also really into the image comic Die right now. Oh, um, interesting. The, the, the story is the nice. I like it. Uh, Geneva Bowers has a web comic called Hover Girls. That's nice. I think those are those are those are the those are the indie things that I recommend. Other than that, I've just been picking up a lot of manga that I didn't finish. Like I really like Mare when I was younger, and I never finished mm. it, so I bought it, and I'm I'm reading Mare now. Hey. Same with Air Gear, uh, because like I said, those hoverboards are going to be important in the future. So I'm reading Air Gear to see how they to to see how they illustrate kind of motion on the page i also never finished air gear sorry i just flashed back to 14 year old me being like picking up a book from the shelf and like huh and then like flash forward to the future i never finished i'm intrigued (laughs) to see how they do the whole skates thing because most people do boards and in air gear they're very clearly like yeah nah, man we skate around here we roll bounce what you (laughs) come on roll bounce (laughs) oh my god can you imagine like a very black based afro future roll bounce type of thing but with like these hovers oh my god it'd probably be in atlanta it'd probably be in atlanta that would definitely be in atlanta right (laughs) oh my god and where can listeners follow up with you Uh, so i'm on all platforms at eva jr and instagram uh we're the company page is weird enough hq we post a lot share a lot uh and we also do book giveaways sketch contests things like that So definitely check us out. 
All right. Yeah, guys, check them out. Same. Yeah, this is just, uh, again, just just fun. So yes, everyone, please check out Weird Enough and the Uncommons and like learn more about Tony. There's just so much to engage here. It's just all very wonderful. So yes, it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely worth it. But yes, if you all would like to get in touch with us, if you have any questions that you want us to forward along to Tony or anything like that, feel free to send us an email at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at the Colored Pages as well as a website uh, at thesecoloredpages.com. Um, and we have an Instagram. We do have an Instagram. Oh, Oop, <laughs> look at these new developments. Yes. So, yeah, we. you can find us at CPBC Pod or just search Color Pages Book Club and you should be able to find us on Instagram. But yes, Aka, is there anything we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, um, I think just until we see you guys again, just remember to stay, stay colorful.